Sid and I made an agreement before we got here today that we needed to have a silly podcast. It's time. We haven't seen the sun. Okay, let me rephrase that. I have not seen the sun in almost two weeks. I mean, the sun's been out. You just... you. I left... <laughs> And then New York was like, you know what? Let's make it sunny. And I went to the mountains where it snowed. Yeah. I think. It was beautiful, though. In my non-professional opinion, you, I think you have seasonal depression. Really? Yeah. Because I'm sleepy? Yeah. Depression doesn't. I don't. I mean, again, in my non-professional opinion, <laughs> I don't think depression <laughs> is just like. I don't think it's what people think. But oversleeping is a sign of depression. And in the winter when there's no sun. I slept for two whole days the other day. I was so tired. You're also from Florida. Like you're yeah. not even, you're not even built for it. No. I'm from northern Michigan. I can go <laughs> if half you see a year the sun, your with, body's like <laughs> I can go half a year without a sun without the sun. <laughs> I've just been like waiting patiently by the window, like And your hope. Are you gonna come windows. out? Annie lied. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Annie? The sun will not come out tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> My thought was, is Annie the name of the groundhog? No. And did the groundhog not <laughs> see its Phillip. shadow? His name's Mr. Phillips. You know that. I do. Everybody's going to make fun of me that I don't know it because it's a thing. And I was just talking about this to someone. I, I feel His like. His name is Mr. Phillip? Something Phil. People are probably screaming at me in their cars right now. It's Phil. I mean, we could Google it, but it's we Phil. don't have time. I also left my favorite Yeti coffee cup in the Uber <laughs> and it destroyed my whole world today. Not reactive at all. Nope. Not at all. Just letting, letting it boil I, You know, I did the, like, yeah. I realized it and did the it's whole, the, like. <sighs> it's the same feeling, like, when you out. drop your phone and it's face down mm-hmm. and you don't, you, like, take some breaths before you pick it up. Yeah. That, I <laughs> that think that's it. the same. I just, in that moment, I was like, let it go. Let it go. It's just a cup. <laughs> you have six other versions of that cup because you just I'm obsessed hope that with that Yeti. cup goes to a happy home. I hope someone <laughs> takes it home and doesn't give it to the... Actually, I hope I hope the Uber driver... But I gotta be honest, if I found a... If I was a driver in New York City and someone left a cup where their mouth had been on it, mm-hmm. I'd go right to the trash. Oh, especially with all the viruses <laughs> around town lately. Yeah, right in the trash. Maybe back in the 90s, I would, I would like washed it assume and kept it. It has coronavirus. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> we said we said we wanted to have a silly podcast and just have fun with it and go in like we used to where there was kind of no planning. We do have a little planning because we we have some articles that we wanted to well one, one an article an article uh, <laughs> that we wanted to bring up, which was so cool. And I love that it's it's very rare that like you see a lot of salon stuff in mm-hmm. the news unless it's bad mm-hmm. and. <laughs> like the I, diva curl situation. Have you seen this? No, that's a whole other podcast that we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Not today, Satan. <laughs> but I do, I like when we decided that we wanted to bring more news about our industry to the podcast this year. You wouldn't believe how hard it is to like search for articles and find them. Like especially if we're trying to find a positive article. Yeah. Like when I start searching in well, I mean, in our industry, it's all negative. Yeah, but I don't you think that's just like all news? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Duh. Like you have to look for good news. Yeah. You don't have to. I just have to swipe like right on my phone and it's all bad news. So but I love that you found this. So I did. So Tell the people. There's a place in Indiana called Terre Haute, Terre Haute Indiana. I, love I think that. I'm pronouncing that right. Sounds I'm pretty right. sure. I'm like 90% sure. Uh, the salon is called Running With Scissors. 
And they, um, they have created a salon space twice a week for um, people, especially kids, who have sensory issues, mm-hmm. um, like autistic children and things like that, where, like, the noises of the salon, you know, when you go into a salon, there's loud music. So they turn the music down, like, really, really low. Um, they give kids toys to play with while they're getting their hair cut. Like, mm-hmm. it's very focused on kids with sensory issues. So, you know, a lot of families were excited about it and thankful for it because when they take their kid, I've actually worked with with kids that have sensory issues and doing their hair is a, if the environment's not right, it's really hard because they, mel- they have total meltdowns. And, and any any child, I don't, it's very rare that you even see children in a... Not have a meltdown. Yeah. So you can imagine if with, they if have they a have, sensory issue. Exactly. So they, the families that were interviewed in the article were talking about how, you know, just the relief of being able to have the meltdown removes the anxiety about going to the salon. Because I know... And they do it, like, after hours or on the weekends. Twice a week. Twice a week, yeah. Twice a week. And then they, like, block out the books. I think it's after hours. I'm not sure. They encourage people to come in, and then it's, like, a safe spot. And I think that's so cool. And, like, not everybody wants to do children's hair in general. No, this is obviously something for the, the salon owner... Absolutely. Is has experience with. But I think that if you are going to cater to children, to have to think about those things and yeah. to be aware of those things and to create safe spaces for um to like provide that atmosphere and that experience, which is really cool. And I think what's I think what salons have to start thinking about is I think people hear these ideas and they're like, Oh my god, we should do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't have to do like they sir, every salon should do what they can do. It doesn't you don't have to do everything. <laughs> I will say that's a trick of this industry, especially because we see so much. Right. Like I'll have students be like, I'll be like, well, what do you want to do? And they're they're following the path of all these people that they idolize. And right. then they're like, Well, I'm gonna do that. And I'm like, hold up. Yeah. You don't even like doing color. Right. <laughs> like, why are we gonna switch our whole shit our, our whole career into that if that's not what you wanna be doing? Right. People, it's reactive. It's very <laughs> reactive. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's the same too with like charities. People are like, "Oh, we're you're going to do this charity. We're going to do that charity. We're going to do this. We're going. I'm going to have. I'm going to host this event." It's like, pick a lane, mm-hmm. use it, work with it. Like this salon is in the news because they're doing one thing. They specialize. Well. They're doing it very good, right? Which we tell you to do very all. well or very good. They're doing it very well. They're very well. It. They're killing it. <laughs> I've had so much coffee that this is my second one. Mm. So this would I'm be my second one, but I left my anxious. first one in the car. <laughs> I'm feeling very anxious. It's funny because I love that you said like pick a lane because people do that. We tell people all the time like specialize in their craft and pick something that they're really good at and hone in on it and like elevate. It doesn't their mean whole life cut or color. Way. It just yeah like. Think about, like, Jane Matthews. Everyone loves Jane Matthews. Yeah. And right now she's known for one really specific – I'm sure she's multi-talented. Oh, absolutely. But when you think about her, you, yeah. you, you can you think of the that haircut cut. that she yeah. does. And I and that's a specialization. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's awesome that even doing charities, people are like, I want to help. So I'm going to do this charity this way. And it's like you could, like, make things so much bigger and broader if you actually scaled it down right. to, like – you, you'd have more of an effect sometimes, which is cool. So I have a dream of a charity that I want to start Uh-oh. for kids with asthma because I'm 
a kid with asthma. Yeah. And if you can't afford your medication, you just kind of like <laughs> go around suffocating. Like it's insane. <laughs> the face you made. <laughs> no, it's just like it's insane. To, so my 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 medication's over two hundred dollars a month, and I have yeah. insurance. Yeah. So imagine not having insurance, and then these kids are just like, like, what are you gonna not give them? Yeah. Their inhalers. I'm like, I think. I think that's an awesome charity. Yeah. Because it, with, having asthma, I don't know if people really like. You feel like you're drowning. Yeah. And to not have medication to relieve that, I don't. I will say that's that you my lane. have prepared me. So sidebar, listeners. I haven't prepared you. You make the wrong assumption. <laughs> no, no, about no. My asthma. I meant you prepared me of like <laughs> being your friend for so long, and then when we used to live together back in the day, like I would always like hold your inhaler if we yes, went out. That or, is now. Josh's job. Exactly. So my girlfriend also has asthma. So like I don't think twice about throwing an inhaler in my purse. Like it's just, <laughs> oh, it just lives she's welcome. in my purse because <laughs> you from <laughs> like being around you so much like it's just automatic. Yeah. You don't want to be around an asthmatic who doesn't have medication. You will be going to the hospital. <laughs> I worry for the hairdressers that are asthmatic that work in salons sometimes with all of the the chemicals and perfumes and things like that. Like, yep. I cannot imagine those people not having health insurance to be able to take care of their. And I want to say this: it does not having health insurance doesn't mean your boss should now give you health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer: <laughs> Like I pay for my own health insurance. Like health insurance is not very affordable, but it's also like I think Americans treat it like a luxury. Like, oh, I'll get it like if I need it, yeah, or I'll get it with a certain like. It's not a luxury. It's it's like it's like saying a, like a car payment's luxury. In a lot of areas, like you have to have a car, you have to make the car payment. Yeah. Insurance is the same thing. It's actually really awesome when salons do provide that, but you're still paying for it in a sense. But yeah, I think too, like with all of our students, I help them with budgeting and breakdowns, and I'm like, okay, like let's think about this. This you make this much, but this percentage is for taxes. This percentage is for your savings. This percentage is because you want to give away to charity. This percentage is now going to your health. And then this percentage is for mm-hmm. um, like almost like a, a backup plan for anything like that or if they're saving for a specific thing. It's called paying my – I grew up with a dad who called it paying yourself first. Mm-hmm. Like when you pay for those things, I think the feeling is that I'm paying – I'm giving my money away. It's like but you're paying – like it's yeah. for you. It's all going to you. <laughs> it's all you. I remind people with your savings. They're like, well, I don't have any money now. And I'm like, you but do realize all- <laughs> your name is on that savings account. And then if you need to just borrow a, a bit, <laughs> you're allowed to. Like no one is no one is putting up like a wall between your checking yeah. and savings account and saying like, mm, you can't claim this. Or like investment. Like I have an investment like, por- like portfolio and I put money in it. And it does feel like I don't have that money. But I'm like, but that is my money. It's still your I just paid myself. Money. Yeah. And we've talked about, too, like how you measure wealth. You can't – your paycheck is not – you don't make your paycheck. Mm-mm. You make whatever's in your – whatever's in your savings account is what you essentially make. Yeah. So if you only have $5 in your savings account, that is how much you have made. <laughs> that is your profit. <laughs> the rest is lost. Yeah, exactly. So very important to start thinking about that. Never too early. Your wealth comes from your savings. We've said that in so many classes. And – I I now look at my savings after I focused on paying off debt last year. That's what I did all of 2019. I was like, I'm going to raise my credit score. I'm going to get out of debt. And, like, I set into action of doing it. And now I look at my savings account. It's like, okay, if I – if if you're going to say, like, you, you're going to be a six-figure hairdresser, that means six figures needs to be in your savings account. Yeah. And so how much do I need <laughs> to make 
to have six figures in my bank account by the end of the year so that I actually profited that. And so that is, that's been my new mission this year is creating new avenues of revenue, which we talk about avenues of revenue to become a millionaire. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like creating new avenues of revenue for myself so that my seven. Yep. My savings account (laughs) reflects my profit and my income. If we didn't have to pay taxes, we'd all be making a lot more money. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) I've never, I mean, the more that you make, the more you pay. Yeah. It's hard, unless you make enough to not pay anything. Mm -hmm. Like like you get like a bonus. Yeah. It's bizarre. I even say that with my freelance hairstylist. It's, first off, yes, you are going to make more money in some sense. But at the same time, what you're really getting about being a freelancer is the freedom. It's not necessarily that you're making more money. It's the freedom to make your own schedule, work when you want to work, create the life that you want, make more money if you want to make more money, make less money if you want to make less money, and then have the freedom to control where the money you are bringing into that account goes. And so it's not like, you know... I mean, I... I I'm a freelancer, but like every salon I've ever free, like I've worked at here in New York, especially, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not renting this chair. Like, I want you to take a commission. Yeah. Because I'm not buying my own color. I don't want to buy a color. I don't want to like, I just want to like walk in yeah. and do my clients and walk out and then you can send me a check. Like, I don't want to <laughs> deal with any. Yeah. So the freelancers out there that love doing all that, it freaks me. I mean, yeah. I, you're not making well, enough money. You're not making more happened. money yeah. to deal with those things, in my opinion. I mean, you might make $5 more <laughs> if you work independently than if you were to pay a commission and have everything taken care of. Absolutely. That includes taxes. Where the disconnect comes from is when people are working in commission salons where they are being limited in their growth. And yes. so they're getting very low commissions. And they're not able to really survive. And or they're freelance and not able to budget their money and don't like dealing with all the stuff that they have to deal with as a freelancer or an independent. And what we do at DTH is all of our salons that have been in the program, taking our classes or are currently in our program is we merge those two worlds together where, yes, you are a commissioned salon, but there's a growth path. Mm-hmm. But you also still have the freedom to run your own business within that space, which is really cool. Yes. And everybody's happy. Yes. it's Bring it together, people. It's not hard to do. Yeah. Because both uh, – the other sides of it are not fun. Being on your own sucks, and then sometimes being in a restricted place sucks too. So I feel like people have more issues <laughs> – like when I work with salon owners and we try to like – create more freedom in their business for their staff, which actually gives them more freedom. <laughs> the amount, like, the freeze, like, the amount of uh, fear and, like, the feeling of being frozen is, is so shocking to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, people really, even owners, even salon owners, most of them want less to do with their staff. But they, there's this mentality that because I'm the boss, I'm supposed to always be there. I'm supposed to motivate them. I'm supposed to. I need to be behind the chair. I'm, yeah, I need to be behind the chair. I need to carry the business. I need to lead by example. And it's like, just do you like, know what's happening when you're behind the chair that you're not oh able gosh. to manage? It's, I think, it's like having kids. Eventually, you have to let them grow up mm-hmm. and let them make some mistakes, and you just watch. You're there to help pick up the mess. You're supporting. But you let them make the mistake. And I think all that micromanagement in salons, 
I have to be there. I have to make sure everything work. I have to. It works out. That I have to. Sounds ma- exhausting. Yeah, but it's actually harder for them to stop doing that than it is to keep doing that. Even though in their head they're like, it's so hard to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. The reality is that everyone's kind of addicted to it, and it's harder to get. Well, we're addicted to being busy. Exactly. But busy with nonsense that's not proactive for your business. I've never had a salon owner that I've coached that said, I can't believe you made me stop doing hair. Or I can't believe (laughs) you made me give my duties out to other people. Like, they've always been like, duties. why wasn't I doing less hair to begin with? And it doesn't mean stop doing hair because sometimes we are artists just streamline how you're doing hair. There's a difference between half, like having to do hair and Getting to do hair. Exactly. And you don't have to do Fashion Week. You get to do Fashion Week. Yeah. And that's why we like it. If you have to do Fashion Week, you're like... Oh, my God. Can you imagine living... No. Trying to survive off of no. Fashion Week? No. I'd just... I'd go to, into a different field. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. Yes. I don't leave my house right now because it's we Fashion just, we Week. We just and, got out of Fashion yeah. Week, actually. Josh, my, my partner, was like, you want to go downtown for dinner? I'm like, nope. Nope. <laughs> Don't want to go anywhere past 14 Anywhere below the park is, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's been, it's been interesting trying to get people to yeah. let go. Letting go is huge. I think that is a big thing that I, when I talk to people, like being able to let go of their fears and especially surrounded by money or doing something different. Everybody wants to do something different. But then when it comes, I'm like, okay, let's do something different. It's just like, hold the brakes. (laughs) Pump them. (laughs) Because I'm not, I can't do that yet. Like, or I'll get like, in two years, (laughs) I get that. In two years, I want to stop doing hair like this. Mm -hmm. Or in two years, I want to raise my prices. Or in two years, I'm going to sell it. And I'm just like, you're not going to do shit in two years. Do it now. Like, why? Meanwhile, their mental health and physical health is just just deteriorating (laughs) before their eyes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Listen, I don't know how people make it without coaching. I don't know how. I would not have Mm -hmm. made it as far as I have without it. I'm assuming you, I'm going to guess you feel the same. And so I can't, like, what to run like, a business no. and to not, <laughs> but to run, a, <laughs> to run a business that, like, any support, yeah, like, that just sounds awful. I've actually been working with my salon owners to create their own support team. Um, yes. In addition, they have coaching behind the scenes, but to make their own support team. So to be able to have more communication where they're having meetings weekly with their management, with their team, you mm-hmm. know. Um, we have a class called... Um, you know when you can't do... You know what happens when you can't do that? It's because you're doing too much hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People like, I don't have time. Like, I know. One of my students is <laughs> actually going time. to... Uh, she's going to do more creative avenues, and she's going to start Skyping in with her team weekly, yeah. which is really cool. So I'm like, we... <laughs> you don't have to be <laughs> you there. You don't have to physically be there. Make a call. Send an email even, like a weekly email or something. Whatever you can to be transparent and have as much communication as possible. Um but you know, I always say this, Jeff Bezos is not at every Amazon location. <laughs> Why do you have to be at your one small salon with five people? Every <laughs> yeah, yeah, every day. Like it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And even with my my independence that I coach, I'm like, who's on your team? Like, who are you who's helping you with all these projects? Like, you know, even if it was like you had an assistant or that helped you with inventory or anything like mm-hmm. that, or you had your accountant that does all the financials or, you know, um, a financial advisor. I mean, or, at that point, might as well hire employees. I know. <laughs> you have a whole <laughs> massive team helping you out. I think it's an, 
I think it's really important to have your we used to call it your board. Like, yeah, your board of directors, mm-hmm. people that you go to for very – that's the problem is people go to, like, their friends and their spouse and every random person yeah. between to ask advice on really inappropriate things. Yeah, I love when um, people ask their spouse who is, like, an engineer mm-hmm. how they should run their salon. Like, <laughs> they don't know. Yeah. They don't have – they're going to – whatever information they give you probably isn't going to be applicable. So <laughs> – this woman keeps running by the studio very her. aggressively. <laughs> um, it's very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, no, creating a board of directors allows you to go to the appropriate people and ask the appropriate questions, gain the appropriate answers, which is why you hire coaches. It's the same exact thing. I had a student. She's going to be upset that I'm I'm not using her name, but she's going to be upset that I'm using Can we her give story. Her name? name is <laughs> All my Susan students know when I'm talking about McFadden. them. <laughs> Okay. I love that. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone named Susan McFadden texts us and is like, how dare you use my name like that? Anyway, so Susan, not her real name, um, was asking me how, you know, I'm going to, I'm she's opening a salon. I'm going to reach out to the people that are interested in working with me because she has a group of people that are interested. And I'm going to ask them what they, what products they like and what they want in the salon. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. It's your business. It's your business. This is the few things here. A lot of lessons to learn here. A lot of new hairdressers that become salons do this. Mm-hmm. I want to ask, I want my whole team involved in the creation of my business. This leads very quickly to resentment because mm-hmm. it's not the team's business. And they're creating a business. Yeah. It, that they and don't it doesn't, get to be a part you're of. not, the salon owner never feels resentful. Mm-hmm. The team begins to start resenting them. So you build this business around all these people's ideas. They leave because they're going to leave. <laughs> And then what do we do? We ask the new team what they want, and then we just get a new mm-hmm. product line? We can't start doing that. It would be like going on a flight and the pilot saying, I know we're heading to Tampa, but, like, what route do you guys want to take? <laughs> you, would you not think, get me off this fucking plane yeah. as quickly as possible? It, it doesn't You want to get sense. on a plane where someone's, like, got it under control. So you've got to show up as a business owner, as a hairdresser who becomes a salon owner. You are now an entrepreneur and a business owner. People don't actually like that involvement. They may think they like it. They may feel like they like it. It may feel communal. It doesn't work. Yeah. People in the end need a leader. We're pack animals. Yeah. Like we're waiting for someone to lead the pack. And it doesn't mean like, you know, I know we're going to get the one person that's like, well, my my staff recommended this product and then I liked it. So that's different. Like That's cool. That's you doing research on something that was recommended. Your team, don't build your business Around that. Around that. Mm -hmm. And what do you do when they say, I like, you know, Red Ken, and you're like, I don't ever want to use Red Ken. Mm -hmm. What do you say then? (laughs) It just doesn't make it. Like, I get why we do it. Everybody, as humans, we love discussing things. But when you step into a leadership role, that is why you have coaching, because you need to go to the appropriate people. And that's what that was my response to her was, she's like, well, I don't know really what color line I should use. I go, that's why you have you know, in coaching, you have this community mm-hmm. that you can ask those questions to. And this is a safe space. No one's going to judge you or question your choices or, like, you're not going to lose integrity by not knowing what you're doing here. Yeah. But when you look like you don't know what you're doing to your future staff, you're going to slowly It's also really important to do research and prepare yourself for those things. Like, anybody that's going to open a salon, like, you should take leadership courses. Mm-hmm. You should take basic emotional intelligence communication courses. Like, mm-hmm. you should know how to speak to another human being non-reactively. Course. 
improv courses, anything like that, being prepared for anything and not having that emotional response first. That yes and response. Mm -hmm. I had a, I have a student that I, well, I have these two women that own a salon, I believe in Arizona. They, I recommended this for them to build their communication. And so they, one got the other as a gift improv classes. (laughs) But they did not realize what the improv was actually stand-up comedy. comedy. (laughs) (laughs) So they um, never had to improv with each other. They just had to stand up and they were not prepared to have to be comedians. (laughs) Um, I'm sure it helped. Yeah, it does help. But um, improv would be having to act out things with no script. It helps you kind mm-hmm. of learn, like, especially if you're in a partnership, helps you learn how to, like, back each other. I know that you and I, when we're in a class, yeah. I'll say something and Sid's like, what the fuck did he just say? And then, but you got to go yeah. with it. He could know? be like, coffee is clear. And I'd be like, it totally freaking is. And then in the car, I'd be like, what the fuck were you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, no, the improv the improv classes are good. The emotional intelligence intelligence classes are good. Hey, we have those classes. (laughs) Weird. But that's how we started to create those classes because we realized back in the day when we had this idea for this company that that was the disconnect that was missing in our industry. And now look how many coaching companies, look how many mindfulness education there is, how much Mm -hmm. consciousness is happening Mm -hmm. everywhere in the world. So I think it's incredible to have it in any form, whether it's us or somewhere else. But, you know, that brings me into being prepared to be a leader And how many people do things reactively? Like, they'll be like, I want to be a business coach because their business is successful. Mm -hmm. But then they're reactively leading and reactively telling people what to do versus you and I have gone through training. A lot of people we know that have coaching companies have gone through training. And I think that's... I've spent some money on some stupid-ass training. Me too. (laughs) Certifications. (laughs) Yeah, we have certifications. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know why I paid for this. Yeah, no, I'm like, what? I got something out of it. Um, but And we're always focusing on that. But I think it's – if you are going to lead other people, and I, I've I've told this to a lot of my students, the if you're going to be an educator, a leader, a mentor, it comes with a huge responsibility, a huge responsibility. Like it is not about you. And sometimes we push our students and they get frustrated with us because it's easy to be mad at us because we're the one telling them to do the uncomfortable thing. And I know that it's not personal. And so – but I've seen people in the industry where they're an educator. And it may be personal. Re- we just don't take it personal. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen educators or, or coaches in the industry where when someone disagrees, with, disagrees them. with them, they're so reactive. And I'm like, that's lesson 101 of being a leader yeah. is to remove that reactivity and yeah. to be able to always come from a proactive place that whatever they're saying is an illusion. It's not what they're saying. It's coming from another place like – they could be trying to communicate with you, but it's stemming from fear, and you have to be able to dissect that and understand yeah. how to come from a place of empathy or um, come from a place of getting them to the root of the problem that they're dealing with and help them solve it. Yeah. And I think— Even just moments where someone's mad, I'm like, you're not mad. You're freaked out. Yeah. Like, you're scared. You're, being, there's fear. Yeah. And being able to talk to people in a way that they can hear you. There was a quote I read earlier today about how, like, you— Aren't, you're not a leader until you – I can't remember what it was. It was basically like if your passion turns into anger, mm. then you're not passionate. You're yeah. angry. Yeah. And I have a lot of that. Yeah. I have to like always figure out where I'm passionate and where – because they can – 
And I think when you're a leader and you don't have that under control, it comes off as like, if you don't listen to yeah. what I say, then you're going to fail. And yeah. get, like, and we start yelling and, you know. So I think it's, you know, to be a leader, you have to be passionate, not angry. And sometimes too much passion without emotional intelligence can mm-hmm. turn into angry. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> I, I see it all the time. Like, you know, stylists will be like, my client did A, B, and C. And I'm like, well, what? Let's get to the root of that. Like, forget what they said. Like, what do you think caused that reaction? Okay, well, this happened, this happened. Like, break it down. And I think that's that's really important for everybody to do, whether, you know, you're a leader. Like, if your stylist comes up to you and is like, I'm sick of folding towels, you know, like, it probably has nothing to do with the towels. It, it could just be like they want more responsibility or maybe right. they want to do something creative. And that's how they're – they don't even know what they're they feeling. They don't know it's how to – It's just coming out that way. We have to stop assuming that everybody knows how to accurately communicate and verbalize how they're feeling because it's not true. I mean if you've ever done a consultation <laughs> about hair – You know. You know people don't know how exactly. to Exactly. But yet we assume that like, you know – like, you could be mad at someone for the way they looked at you, but really you've been mad at them for years yeah. for something else. So we have to always – and that's emotional intelligence right there is understanding like, okay, this is coming from a different place and I have to figure out what's causing it and where am I responsible and how can I come from a place of empathy and be proactive always. And that's huge. It's hard to do. It's – yeah. It's, a, it's can, a lifelong I mean, that's what our whole program is based battle. on. Is helping leadership, especially leadership and – People behind the chair because you're st- – I mean, reactivity is not – everyone's got it. Yeah. Um, it's not a solved thing. You will constantly be working yeah. on it till the day you die. When people are like, I just want to work on myself, boo, don't take off a year. Just <laughs> It's going to – you're going to be working on yourself for the rest of your life. This is a lifelong journey. But if you make it part of your journey, that's how things get better and that's how things change. Reactive people, coaches, life coaches, people that are writing all these, you know, yeah, also, self-help books, they still have reactive. breakdowns. They still have reactivity. They still have, It's a human nature. But they know how to address it quicker. They're aware of it. They don't happen as often. Or if they're sociopaths, they just know how to hide it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people out there that are... Don't feel. Well, they're teaching really good concepts, but God forbid you get close to them and see them... Mm-hmm. Backstage, yeah. It's like I don't want to meet. Never meet your. Idols. I don't want to meet Oprah because I'm afraid I'll be like. Yep. I just want the. Did illusion. she just yell at that guy? <laughs> I want the illusion of what I think. Right. And that's okay. Right. That's where we get motivated and yeah, creative and it's inspired. Inspira- it's inspirational until you meet them. Mm-hmm. That's why I mean, even with our students, like student, our students always want to hang out with us. And it's like, they're first we, off, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> And second, we have to create some sort of boundary because it is detrimental because I am going to have a reactive moment. Mm-hmm. And if you see that, I'm going to lose integrity, yeah. which is the same as not asking your staff what products they want. It's funny because we were in um, – when we were in New Orleans, um, I was – we were hanging out with people and I ended up going home because I kept – it was inevitable to not meet people that attended the show on the streets in the quarter. Right. And so even though um, I was trying to hang out with the other artists, like our little left brain family, I kept meeting people and being able to talk to people. But I'm like, I don't, I, it kind of stopped me from. I'm listening. Continuing to have like drinks or to have fun or to let loose because I wanted to, you know, you don't want to see your life coach like singing karaoke drunk on stage. (laughs) Or do you? Yeah, or do you? But you know, it's it's important because that that's really important for me to be able me to be able to have really 
awesome interactions with people. And so it's like you have to be able to separate the two all the time. And I think we do this too, like even in our personal life, like being on Instagram, like it's it, it's okay to have a separate part that isn't exposed on yeah. social media. And people are like, well, I want my privacy. And it's like, you have control of what's exposed on the internet. Right. So you have, you, you can set all the boundaries in place on what you want people to see and what you don't, you know, you're, you're not live. You're not on a reality show. It's not like you're like on Instagram and then they're, you're watching you and your partner fight and like things like right. that. Like you don't have to expose everything or you can, it can be part of your brand. It's brand. It's up to your, uh, I think comfortable. I think you're comfortable. One of the things that I've learned recently, especially is that in leadership, we, leadership has a tendency to create imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm which we have a class on (laughs) by Kate (laughs) Kent. Um, Imposter syndrome syndrome is a very real syndrome, Mm -hmm. and it usually starts because when we we don't – we're not allowed to see leadership make mistakes. Yeah. And if we do see leadership make mistakes, we don't see them solve it, and we assume that it wasn't a mistake. So, for example, if, you know, leadership comes in late, you know, they don't get in trouble, they don't talk about it, and then we real and then we come in late, we get in trouble. Mm-hmm. It creates this like, oh, they're perfect and I'm not. Yeah. And so There's like a I could never Yeah, and I could never be like that. Even though you saw them do something wrong, because there was no repercussion. <laughs> Can you imagine if a salon owner came in and was like, I was late, I'm writing myself up. <laughs> if you guys could sign this. But this is my point. <laughs> but that it's would actually be very powerful because taking responsibility. Because um it's even with parenting, like parents when you get in a fight and your kid sees you, you always... They you, see the fight. And then where do you make up? Behind doors. Yeah, privately. Mm-hmm. But what the kids should actually see is that you solve the problem. Yep. Right? Like, if you're going to fight in front of your kid, solve it in front of the, right. your kid, too, because that's going to create... Or fight behind closed doors <laughs> and then solve it in front of your kid. Like, And it's yeah. the same with... That's hard to do. ...leadership. If you're going to make a mistake... Solve it in front of your staff. Like, let your staff see you resolve and take responsibility, Mm -hmm. and they will do the same. I think in any leadership position, like, no matter what your business is, like, being able to have – to take responsibility for your actions. I mean, anytime that you and I have decided to change something or, you know, we've admitted to our team, like, hey, that didn't work. We tried it. It didn't work. We're changing it. Hey, scheduling's not right. We're going to do this, you know? Right. Taking responsibility. I think that's where communication and personal responsibility are huge. I was working with one of my students recently, actually yesterday, and they were talking about how they have to make a change and they're worried about the staff being affected negatively mm-hmm. by the change or that the staff is going to lose. Change is scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or that the staff is going to like look at them differently or think they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, so if you're driving the Titanic <laughs> and you see an iceberg coming – you're going to go, I I just got to run into it. <laughs> God forbid I upset everyone by going off path and <laughs> yeah. making this trip not what they expected. But I, you know what? Just go right into it. <laughs> it's a, But it's like, it's the but idea it's of like, what are you going to do? Just let it It's like, I'm going to go, let's all walk into the burning building because building, <laughs> I'm afraid to tell you that it's on fire. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're just like, shh, 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 go to sleep. <laughs> like, that's what that is. Come with me. Yeah. <laughs> So when you have those mo- like that's what leadership is. It's going. Listen, I made a mistake, or maybe that you maybe you didn't make a mistake. I tried that. Yeah, it didn't work. We got to switch gears, and you, and everyone's got to be on. See, I actually think that that's the easier part because this is what I'll see. I'll see any anybody that we're working with, 
they'll say, okay, well, I did the thing, but then they're not prepared for the response. And so I always prepare them like, you do the proactive things. You cannot control their response. You can't control whether they're going to be reactive to it. Right. All you can do is, you know, implement and support. <laughs> One of the biggest tactics I try to teach people is just to repeat yourself. Yeah. When, so, when, when staff is being reactive to a change, which they're allowed mm-hmm. to not like change. Yeah. Like, you can't just expect everyone to – everything you do is just so <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Like you, Bravo. Like <laughs> you have to be comfortable with people's reactivity. Like yeah. And when that moment's happening, because I know it's easy to like get into conversations and discussions and debates and like go round and round. Like trust me, I'm king at that. But when you have made a decision, it's important to listen and let that person be reactive. Maybe they're yelling. Maybe they're doing. Whatever. If they're being disrespectful, shut that shit down. Mm-hmm. But if someone's just like, I can't believe we're doing this. We just did. You know, we just made this change. Now we're making this change, and I don't know what. Like, let them go, and just say, I completely understand, and then repeat. Yeah, the original statement and implement that you it's were fine. there to support yeah. and guide through the process. People we have to want, stop people, shutting people's emotions down. Like, let them have see, their process. Yeah, people want to see that. Like your. Like they like that you're like they like that you're not budging because it makes them be like oh things are okay yeah it's, it's when you start wavering that they're like you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. so it's it's all emotional intelligence yeah it's all about reading it's hard because while someone's questioning you what depending on what reactive system you have God your stomach could be in your toes either you want to run away <laughs> or you want to punch them in the face yep right or you're frozen and yep. you have nothing to say <laughs> that's why having that that repeat yourself mentality is really powerful. It's even when I have a stylist that will be like, I, they want to raise their prices and they'll be like, well, what if my clients get mad? I'm like, they probably will. <laughs> <laughs> they will. Yeah. They will get mad. Some will be very excited for you and some probably will be reactive in a different way and be upset with you. Right. But you're still, that doesn't change your path. It doesn't change what you're going to do. You're still going to stand your ground that you are, you are implementing new pricing. And if they'd like to be a part of it, you are here and you know, yeah. you can work with them by creating a different schedule, but not limiting your prices and not backing down to that. If I was always worried, and I used when I was younger, I'm Pisces, so I was always worried about what, how I would affect other people. And now, <laughs> I'm like, I hope I do affect other people. I said this before, like when you're on your deathbed, like, are you going to be happy about that? Like, so glad. Are you gonna be so glad. I never raised my prices, and, and I lived at clients, this income bracket my whole life. And all my life. clients loved me. Yep. It's funny when, when we talk about raising prices because I think the people that have an issue with you raising your prices are the ones that you're currently discounting and not even charging your current pricing. Mm-hmm. It's never the people that, like, pay you yeah. outright and they're happy or or have no, you know, some people, I'm like that. When I go to get my hair cut, I don't really care what the I don't mean it like I can just pay whatever, but I just assume that like I'm going to someone who's probably really good. I'm going to pay them good money. And I'm not like questioning in my head like, well, why is it? I never would ask someone why is it so mm-hmm. much. I would be so humiliated. But the, the people that question are the ones that were usually like bullied into not charging anyways. Yeah. I mean. And then when you do raise your prices and you do oh. find yourself worth and you do stand your ground, then you're like, I'm raising my prices. They're like, well, that's a $100 increase. And you're like, actually, it's only a $10 increase, but, <laughs> but I haven't charged you in five years. <laughs> so you're welcome right. and they're for the usually, five years. And they're the ones discounts. that like call – like <laughs> I had one one student who 
has a client who tries to schedule with the front desk, and if she can't get an appointment, we'll just call the hair the salon owner personally. <laughs> and then what does she do? Squeeze her in. Yeah. Does she charge her full price? Absolutely not. That is not setting. I mean, that's a premium service. And then the salon owner gets mad at their staff for not (laughs) charging properly. You should be charging that woman for like a call session. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just because you text me, (laughs) special scheduling. Oh my God, that's a good idea. It is. It is. Oh, you want me to squeeze you in? Squeeze in charge. (laughs) Hashtag squeeze in charge. Can we bring that? I will squeeze you in. It's double the amount. Yep. Oh, my God. I think we stumbled on I something. Know. Oh, you want me to double book and not eat lunch? <laughs> yep. <laughs> 50% more. Plus, you have to bring me lunch. More. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I It's. I thought we were going to have, like, a silly session. I'm, I feel silly. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about – our goal, by the way, was to talk about, like, pet peeves. Yeah. And things that, that, in we, the salon? that drive us nuts. I mean, I guess these are things yeah. that drive us nuts, but they're a little, <laughs> little deeper than – what I was telling people. One of my pet peeves, speaking of pet peeves, mm-hmm. wrapping Let's end up, on a pet peeve note. Um, besides poor leadership and not standing your ground and not standing your ground and lack of self worth, besides those things, <laughs> um, I used to work next to this woman who, instead of saying like 2012, she would always say 2012. <laughs> Or like two o thirteen, and I, it, she would say it in like every sentence <laughs> when she was talking about it, and it would drive me mad. I was like, "Why don't you just say 2012 <laughs> or two thousand twelve?" She goes, and she's like, "She's like, I don't know." That she's like two o twelve. I'm not doing that till two o nineteen. I'm like, what? It was such a like no one else cared, but for some reason, because I sat next to her and I heard it. You know when you. When you have, I don't know, when I worked at a salon, it's like you kind of talked about the same thing to each client. Like when you were on, like if you were watching a show, you kind of like talk about that show with everybody. Yeah. I, that's what she was doing, but she was always referencing dates and years. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. When I first, for when I was a, a little bitty baby hairdresser, <laughs> I had this girl that worked next to me that would purposely, because she was always so busy and double booking herself that she didn't have time to clean. So while she was blow drying her client, she would blow dry her hair that she just cut. (laughs) To everyone else's station. To everyone else's station. (laughs) And then I would be on a break and then have my owner be like, you can't go on a break unless you clean. And I couldn't like you're like prove what was happening like but I felt like I was going I was like I did freaking clean like where's this coming from because she knew everybody else would clean it up for her and no one would say anything because she's the busiest mm-hmm. oh that's what that was you know that's what that was mm, I'm the busiest I didn't get a lunch break mm-hmm. it's like that's your own like, I'm gonna fault. need a tip out at the end of the night because I'll gladly sweep up your hair for a cost I think we should like just have a show like hair wars where like you just retaliate <laughs> And you just, if that happened, you'd sweep all the hair, and then at the end of the day, you just throw it on top of her. Yeah. Wouldn't that just be so satisfying? Revenge is so, so sweet. I used to, um, we had a mutual coworker, Jody Alfonso. Oh, Jody. I hope she's listening. But when we worked, we went to hair school together, then worked in the salon together. This was not the one that would do that to me, by the way. <laughs> but we would... This was before it became a thing on Instagram. And at the time, it was funny because it was kind of gross. But we would save, like, matted hair patties and, like, cut them into shapes like a heart and then, like, leave them in each other's stations. <laughs> so unsanitary. So gross. But then now people are, like, sweeping things into hair or yeah. to dog, like, sweeping the hair into dog. That's it's what like we were art. doing 
But we would hide these little monster hair creatures in each other's. See, I don't know if that's a pet peeve or just bad <laughs> sanitation, but it was funny. Back I have in something even better. <laughs> when you and I worked at Aveda, mm-hmm. I received a letter. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I received I a letter this. in the mail at Aveda to your job to the to our work to me. Okay. And I didn't know we could inside, get mail. That could have changed so, my Amazon so, situation. To give you context, I had uh, blonde hair. I had bleach blonde hair, mm-hmm. and people was this before you shaved your head? And then I shaved my head. Not like sh- I buzzed it all yeah. off, and then I don't. And then people are like, "Oh, you have brown hair." And then <laughs> um, I got a letter written by an old woman. I I don't know it said it was an older woman. <laughs> and that letter was that she was, you know, last time she saw me, my hair was blonde. And this time she saw me and now my hair is gone and it's brown. And she misses the days <laughs> that I had long blonde locks. <laughs> and she sent me a clipping of my hair. Wait. Blonde hair in the mail. And I was freaking out. I went to was my boss. Was she like around when you had a haircut? I don't know. I went to my boss. I'm like, someone... Come to find out, it was my fucking boss oh. <laughs> <laughs> who had gone through all this trouble <laughs> to mail it. To do, it was Mike. <laughs> I hope he listens. I think Jody was involved. I wouldn't she's be listening. surprised. <laughs> but I remember, like, I was afraid for my life. I was like, someone has my DNA. Someone is like, <laughs> d- has a voodoo doll of me at home. I don't know. It was. That's it was terrifying. Actually, hilarious. if you have crazy pet peeve. Horror stories like that. Yeah. We want to read them on the air. So I, People keep sending us, and then I forget to bring them with us. Okay. We got we to gotta read more. But then sometimes... Our, sometimes Some people will just be like, I have a funny story, but then they don't follow up with the story, <laughs> and then I can't keep track of who said that. So I'm like, if you do it, I'm going to send you... If you send me an email of your funny story, I am then going to... I also want to point out that... you to give you the email to email us. Not every story that we get is funny t- to me. Some of them are alarming. Some people give horror stories and they're, they're um, I'm like, we need to help you. We need to have, we need to call the <laughs> this police. This isn't funny. This is, <laughs> you need to, call you need the to police. get some help. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that so, was fun. It was fun. Let's, uh, let's bring Max into the mix. Max into the mix. Hey. Did you miss us? I feel like it's been a couple weeks. Yeah. It's, uh, well, I was here well, no, no, I was here. That's true. You, I called in. And you called in. <laughs> that was a really weird. It was weird just talking. Looking at nothing. We couldn't vibe. Yeah. It was strange. It was. But it sounded good. What was your favorite part of today's podcast? Um, I thought it was all great. I. <laughs> he always says that. We're not paying him to say that. I can't believe your boss would do that. I know. Uh- I don't know the type I know. of relationship. I quit. We no, we were we would always play pranks on each other. So no, that was, no, that yeah. was a good one. I mean, as hairdressers, we're weird. Got to keep it lively. We're weird. No, but it was it was interesting. Has your boss ever played a joke or trick on you like that? No. Mm. What would one happen the if they? Did? I've only. She's only been my boss for like a couple months, so it would be a little like. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would. But it actually might. Be a joke. Maybe she's implementing proper boundaries. And <laughs> <laughs> she's nah. already ahead. She's a professional. She's a professional is what I'm hearing. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. Thanks, Max, for 
recording this. I'll keep you posted yeah. if I find my lucky Yeti cup. You're not going to find I it. I know. It's You're gone. not going to find it. Let it go. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk to everyone next week. I think, do we have a guest next week? We do have a couple new guests coming, but I'm not going to reveal who okay. they are. <laughs> All I know is that in March, there's a really big one. I'm I know. Excited. I'm so excited. Okay. All right. We'll talk to everybody next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>